It's really about bringing innovative Australian research out of the university labs and into real applications. We thought we knew everything we wanted to know about human evolution, but there was this amazing discovery out of the tip of the pinky. Do you think we have the ability to turn this around? So I thought, what are we going to do with an electrode you can tie in a knot? Uh, Children are all engaged, they're ready to learn, they're excited. It's not just about having more science, it's about doing the right things with that science. Welcome to Can You Tell Me How? Powerful Answers to Urgent Questions, a podcast series from the University of Wollongong. My name is William Verity. And my name is Lizzie Jack. All right, Lizzie. So what have we got this episode? So today we are talking about salt and the energy revolution. And basically, uh, UOW researchers are using sodium, or commonly known as table salt, uh, to yeah revolutionise the way that we store renewable energy. So as Elon Musk said, the problem with batteries is that they suck. You know, they rely on intermittent sources. They're not always working when you need them to be. So to drive up the use of renewable energy, the game changer is storage. And that's what University of Wollongong researchers are looking into. Right. So in some ways, obviously, climate change being the big issue, the existence and the future of our planet, this is about the future of our planet, really, isn't it? Yeah, basically, we kind of want as many people to take up renewable energy as possible. But if, if you've got no way to store it or if you're relying on the weather or something like that, you know, it might not work. So we want to find a way to keep that energy somewhere that we can access it all the time and not have to rely on right. the wind always blowing or the sun always shining and also not rely on energy sources that could be dangerous for our yeah. planet. So it's what we call baseload, isn't it, which is what coal is really good at, mm. although obviously we know that's really bad at other things. Okay, this sounds really interesting. I'm really looking forward to it. Let's hear it. How many devices do you own that need charging? Laptops, headphones, watches, phones, tablets, even cars. The list is endless, and so is the array of cords and cables you need to keep them topped up. The adoption of renewable energy for the future relies heavily on batteries for storage and more and more Australians are embracing the new energy solution. But arguments around the pros and cons of renewable energy continue despite massive transitions to renewables around the world, including South Australia. Elon Musk is building a massive lithium-ion battery. We're announcing the world's largest lithium-ion battery. This is going to be the largest battery installation in the world by a significant margin. The market research company Bloomberg New Energy Finance predicted that the tumbling cost of batteries is set to drive a boom in the installation of energy. Uh, solar system with an 8 kilowatt hour sonnen battery, households in South Australia may save anywhere up to $2,500. Hornsdale Power Reserve, or Tesla Big Battery, has been mocked by critics since day one. By all means, have the world's biggest battery, have the world's biggest banana, have the world's biggest... Basically, 53% of the household's electricity needs are now coming from the battery, 44% is still coming from the solar panel during the day, and only 3% from the grid, so it's a really dramatic shift. Batteries rely on a rare element called lithium. It's the key ingredient in keeping our devices charged, but it's expensive. 
Lithium batteries also use cobalt, a conflict mineral, and nickel, which is toxic. And as good as lithium is, it's too scarce and expensive to use on a large scale for storing renewable energy. Doctors John Knott and Yunxiao Wang are from the Institute for Superconducting and Electronic Materials at the University of Wollongong's Innovation Campus, where they're working to find a substitute for lithium and a better, cheaper energy storage solution. And the answer could be on your kitchen table. Salt. I'm Yunxiao Wang. I'm one research fellow at Innovation Campus, University of Wollongong. And mostly I work on material design, material fabrication for all kinds of batteries. Currently I work on room temperature sodium sulfur batteries. My name is John Knott. My job here at the Innovation Campus is research fellow, so I do uh, research on batteries and uh, implementing batteries in, uh, in real-world applications. I'm also a project manager, and in that role, uh, my job is essentially herding cats in terms of bringing researchers together and getting them all to uh, work together to develop sodium ion batteries for use in renewable energy storage applications. Australia is lucky when it comes to experimenting with sodium. If you walk for far enough in any direction in Australia, you'll end up at a mass collection of sodium, the ocean. But how do UOW researchers know that sodium could be the solution? And how do you know how much to use and in what conditions sodium will work? In the periodic table, lithium and sodium are very close. They share very similar chemical mechanism in the batteries so we can borrow a lot of information and the cell configuration from the lithium batteries we already have a lot of basic information and knowledge on lithium batteries we can use it directly in the sodium batteries while we're lucky to be surrounded by an almost unlimited supply of sodium the process to make the battery requires a lot of trial and error you can hear behind us what sounds like an exhaust fan it's actually the glove box, where Yunxiao must meticulously test sodium with each part of the battery before it can be tested in an outside atmosphere. Actually, this one is for the half-cell test, not the real full-cell sodium ion batteries. Uh, for the beginning, we needed to test the cathode, the anode, separately to see if the, if the uh, cathode or anode can work well. If they are work well, then we can pair them together, then in that way we don't need this glove box. We can work in the clean room, we just kind of introduce that room. Yeah. There's no oxygen in this box, is yeah. there? It's completely guarded from the outside. Yeah, the inside actually have the argon atmosphere, and we need to uh, prepare the coin cell inside. So in, so in the coin cell, we need, uh, we need the sodium metal, the sodium metal is very dangerous outside, so we need it in the glove box and to assemble the coin cell inside. So I'm holding in my hands components for a coin cell battery, and so this is basically our uh, bread and butter of what we do when we're developing these batteries. So, you know, we try it with 1% carbon, 2% carbon, 3% carbon, 10% carbon, you know, just really trying out all of these different combinations of materials and manufacturing techniques till we hit on a winner, and then we can start to develop that further and further and further. And so this, you know, there's lots and lots of work that goes into trying all these different combinations. There's not one formula that just says, you know, two parts this, three parts that, all right, you've got your perfect battery. 
Um, there's all of this work around designing these batteries, trying them out, trying wacky new things, um, like putting the materials that were originally made for a new type of condom into a battery and seeing if that helps make these batteries better. Spoiler alert, it does. And just trying all of these amazing different techniques to really try and make these batteries a little bit better, a little bit faster at charging, a little bit more energy dense, a little bit uh, lighter, all of these things that we're trying to make these better batteries for the future for all different types of applications. So we partnered with Sydney Water, which is a fantastic thing to be able to have an Australian utility on board with this project. They're really forward thinking, uh, really starting to get out ahead of the, how they can build renewables into their system to provide better service to their customers here in Sydney. Sydney Water are really interested in resilience of their system. So they want to make sure that in their sewage pumping operations, so they have tanks all throughout Sydney and they catch sewage as it's coming out of businesses and homes and then they pump it to central processing facilities where it's treated and so they need to be able to pump rain hail or shine they need to be able to pump on a Monday at 2am they need to be able to pump on a Wednesday at you know 9.30 in the morning they need resilience in their operations and so at the moment they're relying on the grid well they want to see whether using uh, solar and our sodium ion batteries can actually give them more resilience allow them to pump their sewage no matter what is happening uh, outside because often you know when when the power goes down that's usually when there's a storm that's usually when there's lots of storm water and that's when you want to be able to pump so really really important for them to have this resilience built into their system and so they've said to us we want to try these sodium ion batteries we want to see how they can work for us and how they can uh, help us increase our resilience in our system about a two-minute walk from the battery development lab is the illawarra flame house It's a completely self-sustainable home that won the University of Wollongong first place at the 2013 Solar Decathlon for its innovative engineering, architecture and solar application. And it's the perfect place for researchers to test their batteries for household energy storage. Yeah, so this is actually modelled on uh, a retrofit of a typical uh, fibro shack that's all up and down the Wollongong coast here. And so it's actually not a fibro shack, but it's what a fibro shack would look like if you could uh, retrofit it and build it out with uh, solar panels and grey water uh, recycling and all these fantastic renewable energy technologies and uh, energy efficiency technologies that the students designed and built in. You can see as we're walking up this back stairs ramp that they've got a vertical garden. If someone was living here full time, they'd be... You know, they'd have herbs and uh, carrots and lettuce and all those sorts of things uh, in that uh, partially shaded. And the, the house has been designed and situated for the optimal angle for not only for the solar panels, but also for you know, these vertical gardens, for all of the passive shading and, and passive cooling um, systems that they've got here. So it's, you know, it's been really, really thoroughly designed from the ground up, not only in terms of the technology that's in here, but also the way that people interact with technology because one of the great things about the the group that have put this together the sustainable buildings research center is that they're about a holistic they're not just about all right here's you know the highest power solar panel or whatever but how do people interact with energy in their lives how do people you know interact within their homes and how can we make sure that we can bring them systems and tools and techniques and, and solutions that allow them to go about their daily lives in a more energy efficient way 
one of the great things about this is you can actually stay here. So if you go on the university website, you can look it up and you can stay here. You can wake up in beautiful Wollongong at the Innovation Campus and know that you're part of a, a brand new form of research. It's an amazing uh, laboratory for us to have here uh, at the Innovation Campus and it's probably 50 steps from uh, the back door of our uh, battery research labs as well, so very convenient for us. So it's got solar panels on the roof, it's got uh, passive heating and cooling through opening windows and um, air flows and all those sorts of things. And the reason that we've selected this for our uh, demonstration of our sodium ion batteries is that will allow this site to be able to go off-grid. So it's currently connected to the grid um, and it can pull power from its solar panels or it can pull power from the grid. And once we put our novel sodium ion battery in here, it will allow us to really test how it operates in a real world, but it'll also allow... Uh, the guys that run the flame house here to be able to run it completely off-grid, completely self-sufficient in terms of energy consumption and generation. You know, being able to take part in university research, and you obviously have to say, yep, I'll, I'll, I'm happy for you guys to understand and to take data on how I use my energy, but I think it would be a fantastic feeling to be able to be part of um, taking part in this research and you know, really being at the forefront of developing these new technologies and ways of interacting with energy that will allow us to be more sustainable. With a house like this, what's the timeline like before this is maybe more more the mainstream? I mean, I think that we're already there in a lot of ways. There's a lot of renewable penetration, so things like solar panels on roofs. In some suburbs around Australia, it's 50%. So every second house has a solar panel or a set of solar panels on their roof. And that's, you know, that's amazing considering... 20 years ago that wasn't even a thing so um, and I think it's a, there's a lot of conversation about it there's a lot of talk about batteries there's a lot of talk about energy efficiency there's a lot of talk about those sorts of things so I think this is really um, starting to be much more part of the mainstream in Australia I mean even in Wollongong um, some of the people that were part of this uh, solar decathlon Illawarra Flamehouse um, team are building huge companies um, selling these sorts of or you know bringing people along the journey um, and building houses for them that are energy efficient that are you know using renewable materials that are net zero carbon all those sorts of fantastic things that they learnt out of this they're building businesses in the Illawarra to really bring that to the people so it's fantastic. So we know that the sodium batteries are being used in industrial scales like the Illawarra Flame House and the Bondi pumping station. So a smartphone, say, uses a lithium battery. So why can't we put a sodium, if we know that this will work, why can't we put a sodium battery in a phone? Why, why aren't we using them more? Uh, because the sodium is it's, it's heavier and the molecular is larger. Even the sodium ion battery and the lithium ion battery have the similar energy storage mechanism. Actually, they have different performance. I mean, they have different advantages and disadvantages. For lithium ion battery, lithium is very, very light. So that means lithium ion battery have very high capacity. So it can be very light then put into our, uh, our cell phones. Our, our computers, this kind of portable devices. But for sodium batteries, the, the capacity is much lower, maybe half of the lithium-ion batteries. But the advantage is the sodium-ion battery has very low cost. 
So the sodium battery will be the best candidate, such as the large-scale energy storage. Wow, that was really interesting. You know, one of the things I've really enjoyed about doing this podcast series is just how practical this is. You know, people think about this, a lot of academia is, is doesn't seem to have much connection with the real world. This is absolutely part of the real world. The thing that really struck me about that was this house. You yeah. get this like kind of Airbnb on steroids. Isn't exactly. It? Yeah. You, you can actually go and stay there and be part of this groundbreaking research. Literally two minutes from there, the development lab, you can actually test out how it would work in a real setting. So that's really amazing to have that translational availability, you know. Mm. What do we have from you next time, William? Probably if I have to choose my all-time favourite of this particular series. This is my favourite to do because it was a, I was hanging around preschoolers and children and they're a lot of fun. So this is about... It's also another really big issue. This is about how do we teach self-regulation? How do we teach the ability to not immediately dive into things that are bad for us? How, how, do, we, how do we kind of have self-control so that we can, we can do things in the long term? Uh, how do we teach that to preschoolers? But this is actually much more than about preschoolers. This is about I mean, I have difficulty in self-control. I don't know about you. <laughs> but let's just hear a little grab from next time. We talk about scaffolded learning. And that's where we actually create a situation where we extend children's development slightly beyond what they could do by themselves. So the difference is having a child where you sit down and you give them a puzzle and it has eight or nine pieces and you walk away and you leave it to themselves. That child might get frustrated, they might give up easily and then they go and do something that they can actually achieve. The child who's provided with scaffold support is you might give them that puzzle where you know they can do five pieces but you're going to give them a ten-piece puzzle. And you sit there as an adult and you let them have a go and when you see that they might be having a problem, you might suggest that they rotate that piece. Or they start with the corner. For information on this episode or others in the series, and to find out more about how University of Wollongong's research is solving society's biggest questions, visit stand.uow.edu.au. You may also want to check out Series 1 of this podcast, Can You Tell Me Why? Uh, you can find that wherever you get your podcast and make sure to leave us a review. That's it for this time. My name's William Verity. My name's Lizzie Jack. See you next time. <laughs>